right? And if we're honest, we've asked that question, right? You've asked that question our entire lives. And that question hasn't gone away. We are still, even as adults, asking that question. Facebook knows that, right? Facebook makes billions on that one question. Do you like me, right? And so does the rest of social media. And though it seems elementary, this question is so important that futures are decided by this question, right? If you're married, that means someone responded with an affirmative to that question. Do you like me? Yes. In fact, I not only like you, I love you, and I'm willing to make a lifelong commitment to you and a covenant of marriage. If you apply for a job, you are hoping that someone will say yes to that question. Do you like me? Do you think I am skilled enough to work at your place? Do you like me? When you apply for a school, you're hoping that same question is answered. Do you like me? Now, us as adults, we get a little more sophisticated, right? with this question, because we, we don't want to seem that elementary, because that seems just a little too embarrassing. And so we have all kinds of covering ways, but really, as we try to be successful, as we try to uh, create meaning and purpose, we're really disguising that same question just in a more sophisticated adult-like way, right? But by being successful at our job, we're really hoping for someone to say, I like you, you do great at that. To be successful on a, on, in, in, in a sport, we're, we're really trying to get someone to acknowledge, I like you. Being successful in school, trying to make straight A's and get into this school or the IB program or these sorts of things. We're, we're trying to get someone to say, do you like me? It is the one question. And then even as, as we get older, the type of house we buy, there is something about the certain type of house that we buy that we are trying to live up. And sometimes it's an unspoken standard. That, that someone said to us, or maybe no one said it to you, and there's an unspoken standard in your mind that if I live in this kind of house, I will have made it. Or if I drive this kind of car, if I get this kind of promotion, I'm answering that question, do you like me? And again, there may be a nebulous who that is, but we're still trying to get that question answered. We brag about our accomplishments. We brag about our kids and our, our grandkids, right? And there's all sorts of ways we all do it. We have our own sneaky ways. Of, of, you know, sharing a praise or a prayer request that is thinly disguised as, let me pat my own back, right? So that you will like me, so that you will think something more impressive about me. It doesn't get old. So what if I told you this, though? What if you could know, listen to me now, what if you could know exactly how the most important person who ever existed felt about you? What if you could know exactly, unequivocally, how the most important person who ever existed felt about you? Wouldn't it be life-changing if you could know that? What if I were to tell you that the way that person felt about you was love? What if I told you that the way that person felt about you had a love so strong for you that that love existed before the foundation of the world was ever laid? What if I told you that love was so strong for you that, that it, it not only climbed the highest mountain to get to you, it not only swam across the deepest ocean, it bridged the gap from heaven to earth, from, from infinite to finite. And that great and strong and mighty love that we just got done singing about 
comes in the form of a person. His name is Jesus Christ. What if I told you that's the way he felt about each and every one of us, and we actually believed it? Wouldn't you want to know that person's hopes and dreams for you, right? I know I have wrestled with that. And as we come to the Bible, the Bible is really the hopes and the dreams. It's the love letter of God, the one who loves us more than anyone else, the, more, the most important person who ever existed. And he's got a love letter for us, and he's got instructions for us. He's got desires and hopes and dreams for our kids, for us, for each of us. And in this passage we're about to read in Matthew 22, this person is going to come ask Jesus, what is the most important thing in all the Bible? What is the most important command, the most important rule? I know we got these kids in here, right? And, and kiddos, you guys still tracking with me? I know sometimes it sounds like Charlie Brown in here. And um, do you guys know? This is a question for the kids in the house. Do you guys know what the most important command in the Bible is? Is there a kid in here who knows that? You guys know what the most important one is? The biggest one? Oh, I see someone in the back got their hand raised. You want to shout it out? Go ahead. Behave! Someone's been listening to their mama, which is great. That may be the most important command in the house, right? Thank you, Kayla. That was awesome. And she was really close. She was really close. But there's something else. Is there another hand back there? I see another hand back there. William? Listen. That's a good one, too. Is that really important? Absolutely. I saw a hand in the back, another hand next to Kayla. I can't even see who that is there. Can, can you shout it out? Love! Hey, do you know she's right? Do you know she's right? Hey, let's read this passage, kids. You guys read along with us, too. If you know how to read, parents, it's a good time to do some finger reading. And, um, and, and for those who, who know how to read, Matthew 22. Here we go. Y'all ready? Matthew 22. We're going to start in verse 34. It says this. But when the Pharisees had heard that he had silenced the Sadducees. Who are the Pharisees? Who are the Sadducees? I bet some of us are wondering, right? Well, they were the religious guys. They were the religious teachers. They were the pastors and the priests of that day when Jesus was around. That's who they were. And, and they didn't really like all that Jesus was saying. In fact, they were arguing with Jesus. But Jesus had silenced them. That's what the verse said. He, he silenced them. He was so smart, so truthful, that he silenced them. So then, it says, and they gathered together. Verse 35. And one of them, a lawyer or an expert in the Bible, an expert in the law, one of them asked him a question. To test him. Verse 36. You ready? Here's the, here's the question, right? Teacher, Jesus, what is the great commandment in the law? What is the greatest commandment in all the Bible? And then he said to them, verse 37, you shall love. There's that word. You shall what? Love. One more time. You shall. All right. Follow along with me. The Lord your God with all your heart with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the great and the first commandment. And then there's a second one, he said, in verse 39. Here's the second one, kiddos. You guys listen for this one. There's number two. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend all the law 
in the prophets. All the whole Bible greatly summed up in these two commandments. This is the word of God. Let's pray. Father, as we gather around this time for your word, we thank you we can be gathered as a church family. And, and Lord, just encouraged by your word, Jesus, it is truthful. It can speak to 94-year-olds. It can speak to 4-year-olds. It can speak to 45-year-olds, 24-year-olds, to 64-year-olds. It can speak to every race, to every tribe, every tongue, every nation, every gender, every socioeconomic status, Father. And this is what we need, is your truth, your love letter written to us. God, thank you for your word. We pray for your grace now, God, that you give us grace to be hearers. God, we pray for our hearts to be soft right now, or we just want to confess that we need soft hearts to hear your word, Lord, good soil for it to land on. And I just want to encourage you right there in your seat to have a little conversation with God, wherever you're at in your spiritual journey. Would you have the courage just in your heart to lay to say something like this, just in the quietness of your heart, just say something like this, Lord, speak to me today. Lord, speak to me today. Let's say this, for I intend to obey. I intend to obey. Father, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight. Oh, Lord, our rock and our redeemer. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, amen. So we are at this point in our church here. We like to do what we call the, the state of the church address. Where, where are we at as a church? Where, where, what are we doing as a church? What is most important? And if you're new around here, this is an important time of year. And um, I've been at Plaza for uh, just about 17 years on, on staff. Uh, I served as a youth pastor and did many other things. And then uh, four years ago, four years ago, it's hard to believe that. Uh, God called me to be the pastor here. And so I started in January of 2016 in a new role, and, and, and we began with a very similar message like this. And we said, we have got to laser focus. In fact, this is really the exact same sermon. And so I know some of you have memorized my sermon from four years ago verbatim. So those of you who did that, you could just take a nap. This is the Sunday you, you get permission to take a nap. But then again, there are kids in here. You don't want to set a bad example, so you got to stay awake. Um, but if you want to help me preach it, you can do that. And, uh, and what we said four years ago is we're going to laser focus. We're not going to do a, a, a new thing. We're going to do the same thing that God has called us to do, that God has called every church to do. We may do it in different ways. It may look different. We're going to stick to laser focusing on our mission and what has God called us to do. And, and we see it here in this passage in Matthew 22. And then when we turn to Matthew 28, which I mentioned to you a few moments ago, uh, that we're going to see how that works. But as, as we came four years ago, we, we were a church that was that was uh, struggling. We had been in decline for probably uh, 10 years. And, and in fact, statistics tell us that about 80% of churches in America are on decline and not connecting with their community, not reaching their community. And so we said, we, we have got to be all hands on deck. We have got to be laser focused on this one mission that God has given us as we make disciples. And so as we navigated this and we had to continue to, to go through the ups and the downs and the, and the difficult waters. And, uh, but I'm telling you, here we are four years later and we're seeing, we're seeing what God is doing. We're seeing the power of the gospel transform lives. We're seeing the power of community encourage one another as believers. And, uh, and I'm just so grateful and really so privileged to be uh, your pastor and, and so grateful for you and the way many of you have worked uh, for some of you many, many years um, some of you have worked here at Plaza longer than I've been alive, and I thank you for that. Uh, we'd like to say around here, in fact, you could 
uh, reach over and touch your neighbor in just a second. Uh, in fact, go ahead, find a good neighbor, find a kid to talk to you, and, and tell them to say you're sitting in someone's sacrifice. You're sitting in someone's sacrifice. Do the neighbor on the other side. You're sitting in someone's sacrifice. You see, there were generations, there were generations that served here before me, before many of us, and they sacrificed day in and day out. They sacrificed for gospel ministry. They sacrificed to stay firm to the word of God. They sacrificed financially. They sacrificed their time, their talent, their treasure to, to, to create this place where we are sitting right now. And, um, and, and all we said is, man, we want to continue that legacy. We want to continue to, 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 to send out gospel and do gospel ministry. And, um, and we are so grateful for that. And so as we come to this point, I'm just really excited, really privileged as we have our family meeting, as we'll uh, hand out later on our, our annual report just of what God is doing and, and just so encouraging. So I just want to thank you for, for being. And some of you are brand new, and, uh, and, and I appreciate you as well. Some of you are, are brand new, a couple of weeks here, a couple of months here, and you've jumped on board to start serving, uh, to, to just get connected. And it's been awesome to see what God is doing. And so as we navigate this, this passage here, what, what is it that God has called us to do? And, and it's funny because it really comes out of the same question of, do you like me? Am I important? Because God has called you important. God has told you that he likes you. Not only likes you, but he loves you deeply. And he's got something for you to do. The most important person. And so here they are. What are we doing? How are we doing? Well, number one, you could write this down, right? Point number one is this, the gospel. We'll put that on the screen there. What is the gospel? You might say, Pastor, we hear this kind of frequently. You got to preach another sermon on this? Yes, I do. The gospel. This means loving God because we are loved by him. We're not loving God because we're forced to. We're loving God because he has changed our lives, radically shifted us from the inside out. He has, he has touched our hearts in such a way. In fact, the Bible says he gives us a brand new heart when you become a believer in Jesus Christ. It's called regeneration. For the technical term there. We had a heart of stone and he gave us a heart that is now equipped to love him. The gospel, this means loving God. All right, kiddos, when I say gospel, you guys get to say loving God. You guys ready? TJ, you ready? You're going to say loving God. You guys ready? When I say gospel, you say loving God. Y'all ready? One, two, three, gospel. Hey, man, that was impressive. I even heard some adults there, too. This is the most important commandment. Look back with me at verse 37. It says this. This is the good news. Verse 37, he goes on to say, and he said to them, you shall love, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. The gospel is the good news of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ on behalf of sinners like me and like you and like every person. That is Truly, the word gospel means good news. But I want to start with this word love first, because it's really who we are. It's who we are. We are loved by God first. Over elsewhere in the Bible, in the book of First John, I believe we'll put it on the screen. First John 4, 9 through 10 reminds us that, that, that we are loved by God. And, and, and First John is just a such beautiful passage that says, in this, the love of God was made manifest among us, that God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. This is the love of God and how it was made visible to us, right? He sent his son. That's the gospel. And then verse 10, go on and 
show them the next verse there. Verse 10 goes on. Uh, it says, in this, this is love. Not that we have loved God, but that he, what? Loved us. And he sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Propitiation is a big word. It means covering. It means God is now for us. That's the word pro. We, we talked about this one time. Y'all really enjoy I know the kids really enjoy words like propitiation and expiation, right? And, um, and we, we navigated that. A few months ago. And so, but God is for us. And then over in, in uh, a couple of verses over in verse 19 of that same chapter, 1 John 4, verse 19, just short and sweet, he reminds us, he says, man, that, that this is the love of God. Not that we love God, but that he first loved us, right? We love because he first loved us. It's who we are. We're loved by God. And so listen, this has got to be the first step. We are loved by him. That is the genesis for everything else we do. That, that is the beginning point, is that we're loved by God. It's already there. It's not something we have to do. When we start talking about we love God in return, it's just an indicative that our hearts have been changed. It's just evidence that our hearts have been changed, that I naturally fall in love with God who has loved me so much, I can't believe all that he's done for me. There's another passage of, of Scripture over in 1 John as well. 1 John is just chock full of that love stuff. Chapter 3, verse 1, it says, See what great love, see what great love the Father has lavished on us. Have you ever used that kind of language before? See what great love the Father has lavished on us, that we should be called the children of God, and that is what we are. And isn't that beautiful? See what great love the Father has lavished on us. Romans 5, 8 says this, but God shows his love for us that while we were yet still sinners, Christ died for us. And so before we start talking about our love, we are reminded that, that God has first loved us before we did anything, before we were uh, created, like I said earlier, before the foundation of the world was laid. He loved you. He chose you. That's such a beautiful passage that, that, that Scott read for us and, and, uh, before, just that, man, we were, oh, gosh, chosen and adopted so beautiful god shows his love for us that while we were yet sinners christ died for you and for me would you just let that sink in we were his enemies he loved his enemies we despised god we did not care about his rules we did not care about his reign we did not care about his glory we did not care about his heart we lived life our way Doing life on our own terms. We have done that and continue to stiff arm God and say, I don't need you over me. All of us have done that, and yet he still loved us. So what is our response? Look at the rest uh, of the passage in Matthew uh, uh, 22, 37, right? Is that we love God with all of our heart, with all of our heart. Let's just talk about that word there for a second. With all of our heart, that's our emotions and our affections, right? Do you have affections for God, sir, ma'am, teenager? John, do you have affections? Do you have love in your heart for God? It's a good question, right? Thank you. Do you have affection? See, some of us, some of you would say, I've been baptized. I've gone to church my whole life. And the question is, do you have an affection and a love for God? Do you love God with all your heart? That's really the most important thing. You might have gotten baptized, but you just got wet. 
If you don't have love for God in your heart, has he changed you? So with all your heart, then with all your soul. And we're not going to unpack all that soul will mean this morning, but basically we could say is, is, is this is connected to our will. Do you, do you want to love God? Do you want to love God? And then it says not, not just your heart, not just your soul, but it also says your what? Your mind. Do you love God with your thoughts? Are your thoughts pondering upon God? Are your thoughts turning to him in love? Do you love God with your mind and the things that are running through your mind, with the things that you're listening to and watching, with your daily thoughts? Or is your mind filled with worry and anxiety? Do you love God with your mind? It's not in this text, but um, the Gospel of Mark, the Gospel of Luke also have this uh, engagement here with Jesus. And Jesus is actually quoting from Deuteronomy here when he says this most important commandment. And, uh, and both of those other passages include the word strength. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Do you love God with your body, with your physical body? Are you walking in obedience and holiness, kids? We're using our bodies to glorify God, or are we kicking our sister? That's not loving God, right? We're using our bodies to glorify and honor God with all of our strength. Do we love God? Are we growing in this area? And as we think about us as a church, when I'm so encouraged, I'm so encouraged because I see us growing in gospel depth over these past four years. Man, I'm seeing people take the abide challenge. We just kind of navigated every January. We try to navigate that we, man, we start the year planted in God. He is the vine. We are the branches. And, and we got to stay planted and rooted in him. We got to abide. If we're going to have any strength to do anything, we've got to be abiding in him. And I see people continue to grow in that. Uh, fasting next month. Many of you have taken that fasting challenge as we continue to do that. And not just religion, but heart and soul. People in our spiritual growth class this year and last year and the previous time we did it, man, people are, are really taking this thing seriously to, to connect with God and to grow their love and their affection for God because He has changed them. And, and I'm just so encouraged with that. There, there is actually, uh, this is good for the parents and the kids, Miss Amanda, uh, they have put together a Grow devotional, right? Uh, as you, you might have picked it up on your way in, it's a big, thick book. It's a great way to get your kids who can read into the Bible. It's got a daily devotion in it. You may have a devotion book already for them, but it's a great resource. Pick it up on your way out. It's something they're using, utilizing. And I love how together, right, as a church family, we're, we're, we're sticking to this. Right? we got to teach kids how to love God and, and get into his word and, and learn how to read the word and spend time with their father and, and love him. And so that's the gospel. Number two is what? What do y'all think it is? Groups. Thank you. Thank you. Groups. This is loving others like Christ has loved us. This is learning how to love others. This is the second greatest commandment, isn't it? Look at verse 39. Loving others like Christ has loved us. Verse 39, he says, and the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Reach over, touch your neighbor, and tell him I love you. <laughs> I love you. I know I'm testing the parents' patience right now. You were struggling to say that to a little wiggly one. You were like, behave for the rest of the service. You behave, I'll tell you I love you. No, don't do that. I love you, and I love you enough to take you in the back and help you understand, right? That's okay if you got to do that. It's okay. It's okay. 
we will all understand if you've got to take one out there. To, we like to say apply the board of education to the, to the seat of knowledge. Y'all know what I mean by that? So it's okay. If you love is tough. Love disciplines. Love says no. But it says love your neighbor as yourself. And this really starts right in our homes. This is so important because your closest neighbor, who is your closest neighbor? It's the people in your home. It's your spouse. It's your son. It's your daughter. Children, it is your mother and your father. It is your sister or your brother. You are called and commanded by God to love them. How are you doing at being an obedient son or daughter? You guys gave me that answer before, right? You guys were like, listen, behave. Yep, that's part of God's second greatest commandment for us is groups. How are we loving one another? The scripture gives us all kinds of one another's. It says, bear one another's burdens, forgive one another, love one another, honor one another, submit to one another. We could go through love also does what's best for the others. And so we, we like to talk about this in several different ways here at church. This means we're going to be connected as a, as a larger group, one on many. You see Jesus talking and discipling large crowds. We also see it happening in smaller groups. Jesus spent his time with 12 disciples, 12 close friends. And so we say it's important. That's why we talk about community groups here. It's important for us to have a community group. But Jesus also spent time with three close disciples, Peter, James, and John. And so not only did he have a group of 12, but he had an even smaller, more intimate group of three. We call this sort of like a core group or a discipleship group. And that's important for all of us to have. So we've got the kids here. And back, actually, when I, when I first started, we, we did a whole series on the church and understanding what the church is. So I need all the kids in the house. You guys may have learned this, and we had to teach it to you the right way about what the church is. Because the church is not a building. So you guys with me? We've got to put our hands together. Actually, I should have used the wireless today. I've got to hold it in my armpit. All right, you guys, you guys know how to do it? We're going to make we're going to make a building. Right? You guys know how to do that? You put you put your fingers down, they're going to open up the doors, right? Do you know how to do that? And you put this up here like this. Help a neighbor if they need some help. It's okay. It's it's fun to play in church. All right, so we're we're going to say it like this. We're going to learn a different way than what we all learned it, right? Okay? We're going to say this is a building. It may have a steeple. Open the doors. The church is the people. All right, y'all need a second time doing that because y'all need a little practice. Okay, so start over. All right, this is good theology because the church is not the building. The church is not the building. The church is the people, and we are about building into the lives of people. You guys ready? Okay. This is a building. It may have a steeple. Open the doors. The church is the people. All right, kids, you got that? Hey, kids, your parents will get this wrong nine times out of ten. It is your job to correct them. So you can help your parents respectfully and lovingly, right? Don't be disrespectful. But you can say, Mom and Dad, no, the church is the people, not the building. And so we need a building. Praise God that we have a building to meet in. But we are more interested in investing into the lives of the people sitting next to you, into the people in your home. That's what we are more interested in, is learning how to love those people. We don't want to utilize all of our resources just taking care of a building. 
We want to maximize our resources to bless those in our community. And so that's what we want to do. And so I'm seeing this, man. I'm seeing this. As I look back over this year and we looked over some of the things we celebrated, I saw, uh, man, how uh, Dusty and those who have helped out with our youth have encouraged our youth in just some awesome ways. And it's been tough. Uh, it's been a, a small group, but I, I've seen her pour into it. I've seen her take time to individually invest in teenagers to get them devotionals, to, to care for them, invite them over. And now Donnie's recently started to help out. Uh, man, I love seeing uh, the kids being cared for and Forge Kids, adults caring for them, buying them Bibles for the first time, uh, helping them. They have some prayer journals uh, that they utilize upstairs as well. And, and I remember Miss Amanda sharing about one of our, our Forge Kids volunteers who, who sat down and just helped these kids write out their prayers and, uh, and do some awesome things like that. It's happening in our various community groups that meet. Uh, some on Sunday morning, some throughout the week. Man, I love how they uh, are calling one another. Some of our groups had this calling system, and they got names on the, on the list, and they call one another when they're sick and when they're down. Some of them are driving one another to their appointments when they're sick and taking them to the hospital. Others are taking meals. And, man, there's just a, a variety of things that I've seen people do that have just been so amazing. Some things I've learned from the care that you have shown to one another as you learn how to love your neighbor as yourself. And you know what the most beautiful thing about this is, is that this becomes a great apologetic, not an apology. An apologetic means a, a, a defense. This becomes great evidence that God is real. In the gospel of John chapter 13, verse 35, maybe you've heard this before. It says this, by this, by this, and what he says before that is, is that uh, what he's going to tell you, right? By this, all people will know that you're my disciples, that you have a great pastor. No, that's not what it says. Okay. By this, all people will know that you're my disciples if your worship team just rocks it every week. No, that's not what it says. By this, all people will know that you're my disciples because you have a Jesus bumper sticker on your car. No, by this, all people will know that you're my disciples. You carry a Bible with you everywhere you go. No, nope. I mean, that's, none of those things are bad, right? By this, all people will know that you're my disciples if you have what? Love for who? For one another. God shows up when we love one another, when, when we love one another to, to, to sacrifice, to spend time with one another, to help one another, to challenge one another even. Again, love does confront. Love does tell people no. Can I help the parents out? Can I help the kiddos out? Kiddos, when your parents tell you no, that is a good thing. Listen to them. When they tell you no, no means no. And your response needs to be, okay, mom, okay, dad, okay, grandma. And parents, can I free you up? It's okay to say no. Some of us, we get so anxious and so nervous when the kid is unhappy. And it's like, oh, my gosh, I can't tell him no. I can't tell him no. I told him no, but now he's had a fit. What do I do? And I just give in. Ah! See, that's exactly how it happens. I wonder if that will start a fire. I don't think it hit anything electrical, John. I think we're good. It's okay to say no. It's okay to say no in, in our family life. It's okay to tell other people no. It's not a bad word. We sometimes treat that like it's a dirty word. So gospel, loving God because he first loved us. Groups, loving our neighbor as Christ has loved us. And then the last one is what? Go. This means loving our world. This means making disciples. This means show and tell the gospel to others. 
So you had your Bible. You were supposed to maybe mark it with a ribbon or, you know, if you got the version Bible, that's cool too. You can just finger move on over there or you can flip the pages. Go ahead and flip on over to Matthew 28. I want to have us just flip. It should be about three or four pages over. And again, this is a good opportunity to teach kids where the Bible's at, how it works. Show them the top of the page there, chapter and verse. It's a good thing. Matthew 28. We'll actually uh, read verse uh, 18. Matthew 28, 18 says this. And Jesus came to him. This is, by the way, after the resurrection. Jesus has died on the cross and then shown himself uh, to, to over 500 witnesses. And he's getting ready to ascend back up into heaven. He says this. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. That's a pretty important thing, isn't it? Jesus has all authority. And then watch what he does with this authority. He doesn't say, I'm the authority. Stomp around. He actually gives his authority away. He gives his authority to us. Look what he tells us to do. Verse 19. Go. Go. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations. All nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, behold, I am with you always, even to the end of the what? Age. This is what we call the Great Commission. We have the Great Commandment. Now we have what's called the Great Commission. As my friend and pastor Nate Hogan says, it's the co-mission. God gave us a mission alongside him. He gave us his authority to come along and do it. He's renewing the world. He's on the greatest rescue mission. This is the greatest cause in all the world, the greatest cause on the planet. And he invites us to come alongside and he says, join me in the greatest cause on the planet. Are there some good causes on the planet? Yes. Yes, there are some great causes. There's climate change. Praise God for Greta. And whether you like her or not, I think God, that there's a young person who's got the courage enough to step up. And people can argue and talk about her parents and blah, blah, blah. Let's just let's just look for the silver lining in things and say, here's a young person who's not brainwashed and playing video games all day. She's trying to do something. And God has given us, Christians, by the way, should be the first people. We were given care over the earth and over the garden. And so if, if we're not caring for it, that's a problem. And we have utterly destroyed it from our selfishness. That's a great cause. Politics is another great cause. I don't know. Maybe it's not such a great cause. It's kind of debating, right? seems like all they want to do is fight. Democrats hate Republicans. Republicans hate Democrats. Nobody wants to get anything done and work together. And they just want to, you know, tear each other apart and in, in the process tear apart the country. And then we could go on and on, right? It's a great cause, though. If, if you're involved in politics, praise God for that. Educational causes are great. We need to continue to push forth educational causes. Those are wonderful. Taking care of animals is a great cause. Love the SPCA. Appreciate that. That's wonderful. All those causes are great. But do you know that all of them fall underneath the greatest cause? Do you know what the greatest cause in the entire planet is? People have sinned and offended a holy God. And, and they are separated from him. will spend an eternity apart from him in a place called hell. It's real. Jesus talked about it. And, and, and that is what has affected the rest of the world. That's what's affected our climate. That's what's affected our politics. That's what's affected our education and everything else. And that is the greatest cause in all of humanity. And God has called each of us to play a role 
and that great cause. And every other cause should fall underneath that. Some of us are speaking out on Facebook. Some of us are, are doing all kinds of things. And, and, and we, we love to shout about our, our, our cause, and yet we're silent about the gospel of Jesus Christ. May it not be so. May it not be so that we're quiet about Jesus, but yet we speak up about everything else under the sun. The first thing on our lips should be about, man, how good God is, how great his glory is, and how much we have violated his commands, and yet he still loved us. So we like to call this show and tell. We like to call this show and tell. We are to show the gospel, and we are to tell. You can't have one without the other kids. Are there kids? Do you guys still have show and tell? Sometimes in preschool? Man, you know, when I went to school, show and tell was awesome. It wasn't enough to, to come in and talk about your little furry friend. Right? You couldn't just talk about little little furry, um, I forget his name, and say, he lives in a cage. He's got a bed made out of uh, little sawdust. And he's got a little tube he runs on. He's got a little circle he runs on. And to describe to your friends, your little furry friend, you had to, you had to show it. You had to bring him in and be like, this is my little hamster. This is my hamster. Right? You had to show and tell. Now, it wasn't enough, right, to just show your hamster. You couldn't just get up in front of the class and go, your teacher made you tell us who, who is this. This is little Fluffy. He's my hamster. See, as Christians, we are to show the love of God and to tell. If we don't do one, we're missing out on a key component. So we show the love of Christ. And we tell. We do that in our schools. We do that in our neighborhood. We do that all across the globe. That's what we're called to do as we navigate this show and tell. We, we do this by planting churches. And we have a goal set for the next 10 years. Here it is, 2020. We have a goal set for the, the next 10 years to plant over 40 churches. And we've actually planted two of them already. So it's now 38 churches. And thank you for the ways that we have continue to do this. And this is what we said over four years ago. We're going to do this the first Sunday as a pastor. I announced we're starting to plan a church. And if anybody wants to go and help, you can go. And we had Pastor Nate here and everybody was like, wow, this guy's serious. Day one. Yes, I was serious. I wasn't trying to kick anybody out. Some of you are like, do you want us to really go away? I said, no. But I want you to go help and start a new church because we need more churches continuing to be planted. New churches reach more people than established churches. It's just a fact. And so we need that to continue to happen, and that's still going to continue to happen. Let me take you really quickly. I'll show you uh, a couple pictures here of our history. This has been part of our history. This has been part of Gospel Mission. We were a church plant. David, I think we've got a little history picture there, and uh, it just got some text on it at first. But in 1960, there was a business meeting to discuss us, the Plaza Church Plant. And there was a $25,000 investment that later became $50,000 to clear this land and to build. And that happened because South Norfolk Baptist Church had a vision for continuing to plant churches and reach people. Then in uh, 1961, the first service was held here, the little plaza chapel here. Reverend Hughes drove here from his church. Members from South Norfolk Baptist Church came to staff and to seat our church. And 10 months later, 10 months later, they had 110 members and 300 in Sunday school. I mean, they were making disciples. They were moving forward. And then in May of 1963, we officially became our own church and, and were established. And, um, and then we continued that. Let's go to the next one there, Dave. We continued to do that. here. Oh, yeah, there we go. That was Rosemont Road. Look at that, kids. Does that look like what the front looks like now? Right? Look how much a house costs. Good Lord. Some of y'all got that price. 
Some of y'all got that price. Praise God for that. And uh, the rest of us, you know, you got to add a whole bunch of other zeros to it. It's like, I'll just live in an apartment for the rest of my life. It's okay. And um, all right, let's go to the next one. Yeah, this was a resolution for South North Baptist Church. Again, they get $50,000 for the establishing of us, Princess Anne Plaza, located in the Princess Anne County. And, uh, and then let's see, we got a couple more. Right? That's what this land used to look like. Right? Remember, you're sitting in somebody else's sacrifice. There was a lot of sacrifice that took place to do that. And uh, it was a forest back there. And those folks cleared that land. Then they built a little chapel. I think we got the next one there. There's a picture of the, oh, there we go. I love this one. Walking on the, uh, the little dirt boards. I wonder today, if we had to walk like that to church, how many of y'all would still come? I'm just keeping it real for y'all. Just giving you something to think about, right? You might be like, eh, I'm just keeping church. Now I'm going to get my shoes dirty. I just got some new ones. Jesus ain't worth it. All right, let's see. We got a few more. That was uh, the bulletin there. First service held uh, December 14, 1961. And uh, I love it. And then, uh, let's see. Oh, yeah, this was a birth announcement. I'll skip past that just for time's sake. And uh, there we go. That was what it looked like in here back in the days. And um, and by the way, if any of y'all know uh, Susan uh, Williams and John Williams, that's her sitting on the front row, and that's her brother, Robert. I don't know who the other girl is. And uh, I sent that picture to her not too long ago uh, when I saw her and her, her mom, Pat Walker. And uh, so fun times. If you can pick out somebody else in there, by all means do that. But, uh, you know. All right, let's see what else we got. Uh, yep, keep going. That was, uh, there we go. That's, that's what it looked like back in the days there. And, uh, man, it was just a small church plant. And God was working in us. All right, let's see. Keep moving forward, Dave. What do we got? And it, we added on a little piece and a little piece and a little piece, and here we are today. Um, uh, but then, listen, that wasn't enough. We didn't say, hey, this is just for us. Aren't we cozy? Aren't we wonderful? Don't we have a wonderful church? Everybody's so loving. Everything's great. No, we had to continue to send. We had to continue to expand. We had to continue to reach our community and our neighbors in the world. And so, um, uh, through 77 through 81, we planted the first Baptist church in Petersburg, Alaska. Uh, Reverend Hughes did that. Uh, he then took an Indian uh, crusade to India and continued to help some church plants there. Then he went back to that church. He planted Alaska. Then we planted a new church in, I don't even know how you say that, England. If you're English, you can correct me afterwards. And then we also planted the first Baptist church in Delapaz, the Philippines. I think uh, we've got a picture of that. What's the next one we got there? Yeah, we can skip through that. That was just more stuff. Keep going. Keep going. There we go. There's De La Paz. We participated in, in planning that church. And, um, and then here we are, right? Here we are, continuing to focus on this mission. Gospel, continue to center on the love of Jesus Christ and love God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. Groups, learning how to make disciples in group life and then go and, and reaching the lost. And um, I think we got some pictures from the Journey Church. This is a church plant we started a few years ago. And uh, they're growing. And uh, in fact, they're, they're almost now to about 100 people. And so uh, there was Pastor Nate uh, baptizing somebody uh, just not too long ago. I think we got one more uh, baptism picture. Or uh, There's our kids check in. And, um, and then the last one, there we go. That was just recently. You guys had a part in that because we we're continuing to laser focus on the mission of we're going to plant churches. And, and you guys uh, helped make that happen. And that is awesome. And then just this fall. We helped launch Little Creek Church, and, um, and that's our second church that we're working on over in the Little Creek area. We sent out uh, another one of our pastors, Pastor Caleb, and uh, man, it was so encouraging. And so they were meeting the Roosevelt Area Civic League over there in Little Creek, and uh, this is a picture of what it looked like, I think, on the inside. They didn't have, it's just one room, and uh, they had the kids in there kind of like today. And the kids are bored, and, you know, 
um, making lots of noise. And, uh, and so now they actually just moved to a workout facility. They found a lady there they were ministering to. And she says, I own a gym. I'd love to have your church meet in our gym. And, uh, and they have two rooms there. It's a big deal. And so now uh, they have a space for the kids there. And it's an awesome thing uh, that God is doing. And so, uh, in fact, they had a Christmas, um, what they call the Christmas store, where they connected with their local elementary school, Little Creek Elementary School. And they bought gifts for the families, very similar to what we did here. And, um, and, and man, it made such an impact on that community. They helped uh, countless family members. We've got a quick video, uh, an update from Pastor Caleb I want to show you, and then we're going to close out after that. So you guys can check out this video from Pastor Caleb and Little Creek Church. And kids, you guys are a part of that as well. You guys give to the offering, and, uh, and we send out a portion of our offering to help support Little Creek Church every single Sunday. You guys may not know that, but every time you give, even you kids, when you give a penny, uh, man, that goes, and it is split up. Uh, to impact our, our world here. And so that's so awesome. Pastor Caleb told me a number of people broke down. Uh, that was one guy's story. They, they cut away the camera just to uh, continue to give that man some respect. And he said he just broke down when he first came in the room there. Uh, nothing in that room. And they have all the normal toys. I mean, nothing costs more than $2.25. So they just discount everything. And they allow the parents to kind of go through. And it's an amazing thing. And so as they continue to go and love the world, we're going to continue to do that in the plant churches. So what would that take? What would that take from us? It's going to take us continuing. We, we, we have done an awesome job. But you know what? The job's not done. 17,000 people just in one mile of this church. 17,000. Statistics tell us over 60 of them are without Christ. They don't even claim to have any religious affiliation. So that's over 10,000 people. And in one mile radius, there's not even 10 churches. And that would assume that each church would, read, would reach at least 1,000 people. And so there is plenty of work for us to do. And, and I know many of us live even outside of a one-mile radius. You go to three miles away from this church, we're talking about 119,000 people. The number jumps up by almost 100,000. God has called us to reach these people without hope, without connection, without Jesus Christ. And he's called us to do it. He's called you to do it right where you're at. And, and you're every day living. He's called kids to do that in their school. He's called us to do that in our jobs. Heard the story about a new pastor. He was learning the names of his congregation. And he met this lady named Hazel. And uh, he says, Hazel, uh, nice to meet you. And I'm new here. And he's like, what do you do? And he expected to hear something about her occupation. And Hazel replied, she says, I'm a follower of Jesus Christ, Pastor, cleverly disguised as a machine operator. And he said, that's really cool. This lady knows who she is. She knows what her purpose is. She knows what God has called her to do. He had expected her or maybe her coworkers to say, oh, that's just Hazel. She operates the machine. No, she would say, no, that's my clever disguise. My job puts me in proximity to, in a position to direct other machine operators to Jesus Christ. This is what I'm called to do. And who better to reach people than her? Who better to reach teachers than another teacher? Who better to reach military personnel than a fellow shipmate? You have a divine assignment in your school. Kids, you have a divine assignment. So will we take up the challenge? There's a purple sheet. There's a purple sheet in your bulletin. I want to close with this and then a final story. And we'll sing and then I smell food cooking. And uh, I don't know about you. I'm having a little hard time. I'm being distracted by my olfactory senses there. I'm just like. I'm about to float off the stage here and just be led away like a cartoon character by my nose. This purple sheep is just this reminder of our of our goals and, and our vision and our mission. And if you look down to the vision piece just right there, I just want to share with you the kind of these dreams that they were already accomplishing and that we still need help accomplishing. 
So it's the dream, number one, of a diverse Sunday morning experience gathering that includes all ages, races, joyfully worshiping together, respecting each other's differences, and loving, serving up. Man, I'm, I'm just praising God for the fact that that is something that, that we experience here. When we come together, there's this love. Sometimes we, right, Scott's trying to sing, and we're just loving one another, right? Yeah, y'all experience that? And, uh, man, that's a good problem to have in the church. It's a dream of creating a place where the hurting, the depressed, the frustrated, the confused of our community can find new life in Christ, which will come through the gospel of Jesus Christ. Listen, we know that God will use the love, the acceptance, the hope, the forgiveness, the guidance, and the encouragement that this body provides to point people to himself. It's the dream of sharing the gospel with our community, having 1,000 gospel conversations each year. I was so appreciative of one of our guys serving as an usher. He asked me about that. And, yeah, you have a gospel conversation. There's stickers in the back there. Put it down. They just put your name and your date on it. So, man, that encourages us and encourages the rest of the body that, man, we're, we're out there sharing. And, and, man, I hear so many people tell me how they do that stuff in some awesome ways on, on fields. And they talk to other um, uh, coworkers about Christ. It's encouraging. It's the dream number four of planting 38 churches by the year 2039, large, 28 small. We've already knocked down two of those, and, and we plan on continuing to work. And, and listen, the call upon Journey Church and Little Creek Church is also to help plant churches. They have that same vision and desire. It's the dream of disciples who continually make disciples. The truth of God are modeled and shared with those in real life, not just in church. These disciples are going deep and deeply connected to others. and They're saturated in the Bible. They're saturated in each other's lives. Christ is real to them every day, not just on Sunday. It's the dream of healthy disciples who are equipped to find their calling by helping them identify their spiritual gifts and talents that God gave them. We have a 301 class that helps people navigate that. What are you called to do? Number seven, it's the dream of seeing these healthy disciples sent out into the world to make a difference. It's empowering every member to make a difference where life exists. It's also raising up and sending out career missionaries. We haven't talked so much about that, but we, we believe God is going to call some to be missionaries from this church to be pastors and other church leaders who can plant churches for generations to come. And then it's also the dream of stewarding this building, right? Because God gave us the building land for generations to come. We want to steward it well and leave it in good hands for the next generation behind us, these kids, and provide us with the uh, and, and create a simple yet beautiful facility and grounds that shouts the glory of God as a benefit to our community. We want our community to be able to access our facility and our building and, and it to be a blessing to them, not just for church folks. And so that's an important thing there. And um, if you flip over the page there, I just want to highlight some of these goals real quick. Flip over the page, there's a couple goals for this quarter. And, and I'm going to highlight really our kids' ministry um, because we are, we are definitely in need of, of six volunteers right now. And, and, man, it was so cool to have our, our volunteers get a break today. They serve one month straight, and uh, so we, we need some, some folks in the nursery. Actually, if you serve in the nursery with babies, you, you only serve one time a month. Uh, we need two aides for our elementary. That can be adults or teenagers, and we praise God for those. And then we need an elementary uh, teacher or a small group leader and, uh, and then another person to check in. And, and there, you can see some other things there with our guest services, with our home groups, and uh, some stuff with our facility there. Uh, but, but these are the things we're focused on this quarter. And so you could help us achieve this mission, this vision. How could you do that? Well, everybody's got a different starting place, right? Some of you, you're, you're around once, twice a month. You know what your first step is? Come regularly, right? M make a commitment to, to come regularly. That's your first step. Take that twice a month, three times a month. Three times a month or four times a month. Some of you have been hanging around for a while and you haven't committed to the church. You're not a member yet. And, and you need to make that next step of membership. You can use your connection card, right? If you want to pull that out right now, 
that connection card, you can help take that next year. We're going to start a new members class uh, in February, um, mid-February. We're going to start that. And, um, and you could officially join the church, officially join the team. Not just be on the, in the stands watching her, but you can make that commitment. For some of you, it's baptism. You need to be baptized. That's holding you back from uh, what God has called you to do, and, and that may be your very next step. Others of you, maybe you're not serving. You need to serve. You want to check that box there and say, man, I, I want to step up. I'm seeing all these other people do this serving. You see some, some ways to get involved there. Some of you got to commit to a group. Some of you want to commit to uh, serving in some other capacity. That would be your next step. And so you, you check what that is. But I'm telling you, it's, it's going gonna, it's gonna to require all of us. Let me close with this final story in this picture. You guys can check out this picture here. It looks like a picture that has been doctored up or photoshopped. But this is a legitimate picture. This is a football game. And behind the football game, there is a science building on fire. And there are firefighters fighting this. But this picture has not been altered in any way. This happened on November 20th, 1965 at Deerfield Academy. And this photograph spread all across the, all across the land. It's been on ESPN. It got uh, recommended for a number of different things. And um, uh, the photographer, Robert Van Fleet, took this. He was a parent of one of the kids. And uh, these two teams, they had a bitter, long rivalry. And uh, the way that, like, Harvard and Yale or the Yankees versus the Red Sox or uh, the Cowboys and the Redskins, right? There's a bitter, long rivalry between these two teams. And um, um, uh, Mount Hermon, which was a school which was played at, man, they had a 17-game winning streak. And Deerfield came to take that away from them. But right before halftime, they noticed smoke coming out of the science building. Now, uh, the picture doesn't do it justice. There is a little bit of distance between the, uh, the science building, but not that much distance. And, um, and the building caught on fire, and they were trying to figure out what to do. And so the volunteer firefighters, some of the people in the stands were part of the volunteer firefighters. They had to go, and they had to try to rescue the science building. And they're, like, taking out the, the books. They're taking out the, you know, the little stuffed animal, not the stuffed animals like kids play with, the taxidermy things, the deer heads and antlers and the, the skunks and the squirrels that are in the science building. They're taking those things out and people are they're, they're actually forming a bucket brigade right and uh and, and trying to get enough water there and they're calling for volunteers and all the while they decided to continue to play the football game now someone said this is a classic example of our educational priorities misplaced the science building's burning down and we're more concerned about football and um no slide on the football players love football players and athletes and um but here's the deal you and i realize the complete blindness. You and I realize the complete craziness. Yeah, these are other pictures there that, that went all uh, around there. It made news there. Uh, you can go back to that first one there. But you realize the complete craziness is that they needed help. They needed help. They needed help with the bucket brigade, and yet people were distracted. People were focused on other things of way lesser value. Can I let you know, church, there's burning going on all around us. The people's lives are on fire. Literally. And they need your help. And so can I tell you, don't be distracted by something small. Out of the love that God has shown to you, continue to show love to those around you. Continue to be part of the bucket brigade that, that puts the water out in our society, in our neighborhoods, in our world. Continue to be part of that. Don't let this be us. Some of us are just sitting in the stands watching. 
Some of us are, are and, and we're losing sight of the true goal is that there are people without Christ. There are people lost and dying on their way to an eternity apart from Christ, an eternity place called hell, and God has called us to rally around them. They've got to make the choice, but God has called us to, to share the gospel, to love one another well. So it's my challenge that we would do that. So we're going to close and have a time of response as we sing our last song. And during this response time, I'd encourage you, you may want to think about your next step on the connection card. You may want to take some time just to fill that out and say, Pastor, I want to get involved. I want to be just watching this thing burn all around me, but I want to get connected. And again, whatever that next step is for you, you, you navigate that. So let's pray together. As our worship team comes forward, let's bow our heads. Eyes closed, nobody bothering their neighbor. Let's go before the Lord. Father, we thank you for the privilege. We thank you, God, for what you're doing in us and through us. God, for the things you've done in our church over many years. And Lord, even as we look at this past year, as we look at 2019, and God, and see the ways that you've changed us, see the ways you've taken us deeper in gospel, deeper in community, and then deeper in reaching the world for Christ, Lord. God, we're so appreciative of that, Father. God, we're so humbled that you would call us. So appreciative, Lord, of who you are. And I pray for children, for adults, for all of us, guys, that you would continue to unite us together, but not just unite us together for ourselves. God, unite us together for the mission. God, unite us together for the reason of displaying your fame all across the world, Jesus. We thank you for all that you do, Lord. Speak to us now in Jesus' name. Amen.